We're not even going to say there's much to discuss on this week's Talker United Yellow Army Herald Express Devon Live podcast because it goes without saying. (laughs) It Um, goes without saying. So wherever you're listening to us, if you're listening, doing the ironing, doing the flat packing on the beach in Spain, or I know that some of our followers on Twitter are waiting with bated breath to hear what we come up with this week. Um, but there really is, a, there's more to discuss than we dreamt of at this time last week. So we honest. haven't even started kicking a ball in anger yet. Exactly. Uh, things we will deal with in this week's podcast in no particular order, the talky uh, owners unveiled plans for a new stadium or unveiled the, the preliminary yes. outline of plans for a new stadium this week. That was a Herald Express exclusive. Um, Torquay also announced that they will be ground sharing with Truro City Whoops! from next Saturday or Saturday week onwards. Uh, that was a bit of a bombshell. We'll talk about that. Uh, two friendlies have happened since we last spoke to you. Cardiff City and Bristol City under 23s. Uh, we have an injured goalkeeper. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, nearer the end of the podcast. And we'll look ahead to another friendly this yeah. weekend and then ahead to uh, the start of the league season. So uh, we're going to struggle to get all this in, but let's uh, let's do the best we can. Let's talk about the stadium first. Um, Gaming International came forward this week with a press release which came in ahead of uh, Torbay Mayor Gordon Oliver's forum tonight. We're speaking on Thursday. Yeah. At the Riviera Centre from six o'clock tonight. The Mayor's Forum. It'll be. It's an agenda. I have it here. Um, Various development Various, opportunities exactly. not, around the not town. Not just the new stadium complex. No, there are people there to talk about Torwood Street, the old toll house, the Fragrance Group hotels, refurbishment of toilets, after which there'll be a break. That's quite handy. <laughs> um, designs for the harbour side, coastal communities fund the Epic Centre, and then the it says on the agenda, presentation by special guest. Yes, which I imagine. Now, I'm assuming that that's the point in the agenda when Clark Osborne will be there to talk about the stadium plans. I'm told he will be there. Yeah. Um, uh, but and, I did, and this has been sort of, I think, added on, has it not? Yeah. This wasn't on the original no. list of things to be discussed. And if anybody's planning on going down there, I'm not sure how set in stone that schedule is, by the way. So if you're planning on going down there and Talk United is the main thing that you want to hear about, I would call the council and check that the agenda is still the same. Because I would hate to say... It's on at the end of the agenda, and they whiz it in at the start instead. Quite. So please do check uh, what time that's coming on. I'll be down there from six o'clock, so I'm covering the whole thing for the Herald Express. Um, but I don't know what Good time luck, the talkie thing comes up. <laughs> so the plan came forward. It's a forty been, million pound project. Yeah, we th- this, uh, the, this the background to this, of course, is that the council had put any discussions about the future of Playmore on hold. Mm. Uh, this was last year. Uh, last summer, we've now a year on from that, uh, until GI came up with, at the time, I think the phrase was detailed plans. Well, we're not down to detailed plans yet. No. This is an opening gambit um, uh, to, I imagine, in some ways to sell the idea or start to sell the idea and give people some sort of uh, impression of what might be on offer down at Nightingale Park and I think that's been confirmed as it a has, site which yeah, uh, again yeah. I think we've known for some time. And that, So what's in the plan is a 10,000 seater sports stadium, football stadium. Which is part of a bigger A 30,000 capacity event arena. Yeah. Uh, so presumably the, the other 20,000 seats go on the pitch or, or whatever. Around. Is, is yeah. the idea. 
there's housing which enables the project to be built yes and which which presumably is the the carrot yeah uh, uh, in the in the in the whole scheme and gi do say that that is to be built at nightingale park yeah we had to go back to them to clarify that and yes. they do say that is to be built at nightingale yes park. There, there, there has been some i've never quite been able to understand the the the, the uh, fevered speculation that Plainmore might United might leave Plainmore at some stage, and then a load of houses being built on uh, at Plainmore. I don't think that's ever been uh, a real option. Uh, whether houses were going to be built somewhere else was another matter. But I don't think uh, Plainmore would or could ever be used for housing in that way. Um, and, and but the council own Plainmore. So they're the people who have the call on what yeah. happens there and when it happens. So the, um, the, the the best guess as to what could happen to Plainmore, I mean, the Spires Academy is right, right next, next door. door. It has no sports facilities. No, and no real way to expand at the moment. No. So they surely would come into any equation at Plainmore, I would have thought. Uh, what else? Well, you've got the Plainmore pool there, which... I don't know if, if there was some money available to expand that and make it that into a bigger and better facility. Yeah. Who knows? Um, you, it's the original covenant from the Cary Estate talks about you know green open spaces and recreational activities, etc., 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 and uh, public access. Yeah. Um, so well, Torquay doesn't have a leisure centre either, does it? Well, it doesn't. Paynton um, does. Torquay has the Riviera Centre, which doesn't quite tick that the boxes. boxes no 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 and and of course quite a few of these those leisure center type facilities are envisaged at nightingale park mm. um indoor sports halls um uh, fitness suites all this sort of stuff as well as things like a hotel and retail outlets and stuff like that yeah uh, you, you you've been all over it as they say a guy over the last couple of days so um and but the it is very outlined, this, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, we are not even down to uh, pictures and uh, outlines here. Uh, this, this, is, uh, this, is, this is a very first gambit, yeah. isn't it, in, in the game of chess which will follow. And it's worth pointing out, as people have been pointing out on social media, of course, is that GI have not yet built a stadium. No. Gaming International are a stadium operating Operator, yeah. company. Yes. But they, in all their many exploits up and down the country they have not yet built a stadium they've operated plenty of stadia yeah, for other people sure they're, they're in the middle uh, of and obviously there's been a bit of controversy surrounding that of building a new speedway stadium at swindon um, which has been delayed so uh, gi and in fairness to them swindon council um, ha, or the council at swindon not quite sure whether it's called swindon council it's probably some new name it's called up there um, have acknowledged is down to major delays over drainage and stuff like that. Uh, Clark Osborne has said several times, look, the whole stadium is sat in a, is 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 in packs at yeah. Newport waiting to, or somewhere near Newport waiting to be transported straight to the site and put up. So, but technically speaking, as we speak, they haven't uh, um, delivered, if that's the right word, uh, uh, as far as I know, anyway, um, a new stadium. And of course, this is much bigger than a new stadium. This is this is a, a, a huge complex yeah. of facilities that they're proposing. The fact that Talk United will be part of it, um, or or you know, would be part of it, yeah. is is incident not incidental, but it, it's well, only it, a part of, yeah. of of a wide range of other facilities. I think you might be right, though. I mean, the more you look at that plan, and the the, the more we have over the last couple of days since 
putting the piece in the paper, stepped back and looked at it a little bit. The football side of things is incidental. If it's if it's a an entertainment arena for thirty thousand people, that puts you up in the bracket for some of the biggest names in music to put Torquay on their tour dates. Yeah, which would be obviously a very prestigious thing for Torquay. Opens Quite. up a whole new ball game for that. But football seems to be or may end up playing a subsidiary role in this. Well, if you've got a 10,000-seater stadium for a football team, uh, then, you know, I, that, that, that certainly ought to tick the boxes. I, I mean, I always, in my back of my mind, thought, yes, they'll put a ground that holds six, 7,000 there. Well, if there's 10,000 seats envisaged for the football stadium, that's as big as Talk United will ever need. Yeah. Um, I think uh, um, it, it, it's... <laughs> Clark Osborne and Gaming International came to Torquay for a reason. Now, it wasn't necessarily to run Torquay United. They've been doing that in the meantime. And in fairness to them, they pumped a considerable amount of money in, the most at least since the Bristows have put in, to try and up the game of the football club. It's happened off the pitch. We all know what's happened on it. Yeah. But they didn't come to Torquay, United, to Torquay out of the goodness of their hearts to run the football club. Uh, um, Clark Osborne is a, is a, a businessman and a developer, uh, and that's fine. I've never had any particular argument with that. Um, half the clubs in the Football League and in this country are run by people who haven't got any particular mm. uh, um, heartfelt interest in the particular club. We all know that. Most of the Premier League is owned by people who couldn't give a damn. You yeah. know, uh, but so. I think Clark Osborne has spotted and a, a, a potential here, and we're talking in Torbay. Yeah, the new the new road is a factor it's in that. Things, hasn't it? Has yeah. changed things. Yeah. Uh, uh, a, a potential here that this town, long last, after you and I have been here <laughs> for far too long, long watching it all yeah. ha happening, yeah. has been. Uh, 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 not been the the most progressive place on the south coast and I think people like Clark Osborne have spotted that this town finally has the potential to take off again over yeah. the next 10 15 20 years uh, there is the land here there is the site there there is the possibility of a new station at Edgingswell etc 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 on top of the fact that let's face it you know, Torbay, you and I have always been quite proud of this place, and I think and hope that most of the other people who live here are. Um, it is a phenomenal area. Yeah. Uh, when people come and see Torbay for the first time, the for the first time, and I, a few weeks ago, uh, welcomed some friends down here, they were gobsmacked. They'd never realised the scale of Torbay mm. and, and what it potentially has to offer. And it singularly has failed to deliver on all of that for various reasons over the last 25, yeah. 30, 40 years. And uh, uh, there is this potential and people like Clark Osborne and other people who have started to invest money around the Bay want to build new hotels, want to... Yeah. They're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They can do it because they can see or they're thinking of doing it because they can see the potential to make some money and to take the thing forward which is what, that's how business has always happened. It happened when the Victorians moved and the Georgians moved down yeah. here. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we all hope and think that it might happen again. But, and, and if you are going down to the Mayor's Forum tonight, from six yes. o'clock onwards, you'll see a, a, 
a cavalcade of people who are doing just that. All the people who are involved in all the developments in Torbay at the moment will be up one by one. Yeah, so uh, it's the, 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 the Torquay United element of the new stadium is, is only a part. And, yeah. and you can either, where, where in the list of parts you want to put it is, is up to you. But it, it, it's not top of the list. No. And that's fine. I, you know, I've not got no objection with that. As long as Torquay United have a perfectly serviceable and decent stadium. And, of course, the details of the stadium will eventually surface. Yeah. And we'll have a chance to have a look at them. And I'm sure people like you and me are saying, hang on a minute, there ought to be a standing section. Uh, you know? Yeah. And, oi, Clark. Stick a standing section in, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this sort of stuff will we'll have yeah. to, you know, this is what planning is all about, you know, holding people to account and making people deliver what the public wants. Torbay um, MP Kevin Foster has um, said some quite interesting things uh, since the stadium uh, plan was revealed. Uh, he, of course, was very active in politics in Coventry. Yeah. You know, around the time the Rico Arena debacle should we call it yes, that yes um and i think he's very keen to say look the devil's in the detail with always, these things always need to see some detailed financial planning and you know he didn't actually use the phrase but it's quite clear not another rico arena yeah um and and of course there've been ownership issues there haven't yeah. they uh, um and and that has ended up as a hell of a mess uh, and yet funnily enough uh, the, the Rico, and this involved a, a football club, Coventry City, yeah. uh, uh, selling up and moving from its old home at Highfield Road. Uh, I'm pretty sure Coventry City owned Highfield Road. In this case, Torbay Council owned Plainmore, so that's a different dynamic. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but even now, the Rico Arena, Coventry City are still playing at the Rico, mm. uh, Rico Arena. Wasps are playing there now as well, as well as a load of other events going on. It's, at, they at use the it for Rico some Ar pretty big music exactly. events. Exactly. It, it, so it, it is very similar. You know, when, when you think of the Rico, when you go to events at the Rico, you can see that that's kind of in people's minds for, for the Torquay venue. Yes, isn't it? it's that kind of multi use stuff that brings people in. Uh, um, uh, with all the spin-off that we know about, you know, or, as usual, three hundred and fifty odd jobs being well, quoted or promised. Yeah, and there's well, a business park well, all around see. it. There's always a, a Nando's or something Correct. right outside, isn't there? <laughs> um, so all of this is 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 may it's in maybe territory, isn't yeah. it? And, and what happened this week was that Clark Osborne sort of fired the opening shots in this ongoing campaign to try and deliver what he envisaged when he first came down here and effectively bought the club or picked the club up from yeah. David Phillips and, the, and, and his supporter board. Uh, and uh, we're, we're just a little bit further down the road, not very far, but a little bit further down the road. And now we'll see over the coming weeks and months. I did think, as, it, as always, the, the two things, you and I have been in this game for long enough, haven't we, Guy? But nearly always... Timing is instructive, and the devil is always in the detail. Yeah. And the timing, it's interesting, isn't it? Now, whether this was planned or not, I don't know, but it did come in the very week when there's a load of flak flying around because of the ground share, the ground share story. Absolutely. Now, uh, I, I think this is 
this potential development is much too important to be governed by a thing like that. But it's interesting that it did follow in a matter of, uh, <laughs> well, of, of a day after um, see, we were, a story a, a story which very few people <laughs> wanted to read. Which we'll come to now. because They wanted we, to read it, they didn't want to hear yeah, it. So. We were sitting here this time last week thinking there's another couple of games to go, the squad's beginning to take shape, we're looking forward to the new season, we'll just have a, a, a quiet 10 days before the season starts. And then Hell the first no. bombshell of the weekend, uh, and you'll all know this unless you've been under a rock for the last week or so, but Truro City are coming to ground share at Playmore yep. this season. So on Saturday week, the first match of the season at Playmore will be Truro City versus Billericay. That sticks in the throat. Yeah, and Ben Gering playing for Billericay, all, yep. all kinds of things. But uh, So the first people to play at a competitive game at Playmore this season will be Truro. And not Torquay United. How on earth has this come about? Um, well, and, and what's in it for Torquay? Uh, I, I, you know, Different, a, a little plug. A, a little, but, no, yeah. no, 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 no. A, a little plug for the Herald Express again. I know we try and do it on a regular basis. I would point everybody in the direction of the piece which we carried inside the paper, uh, inside the back page. I'm pretty sure that this harks back to the 2016 deal between Peter Masters, the Truro City Chairman, and David Phillips and the previous United Board. Um, when it looked as if Truro were coming to ground share then. Yeah. Uh, and by David Phillips's own admission at the time, uh, um, Truro City were paying or paid £30,000 to upgrade the pitch so it could cope with the ground share then. Uh, and I don't think the agreement stopped at the 30000 I think there was some more money involved. How much? Not sure. Now, uh, uh, I'm only the people involved would know whether United, whichever regime was in charge, uh, did or have ever handed back the mm, money that yeah. Peter Masters paid then. If it hasn't been, well, that would surely give Peter Masters some option, and it may well have been agreed at the time that he still retained a future option to come up on ground share because, of course, at the time it didn't happen. They were able to stay at Triu Road, yeah. and they have done for the intervening two seasons. So um, what's happened at Triu Road, just to fill in the, the blanks a little bit, is that a little supermarket is to be built. Well, the developers, Helical, who are yeah. in charge of that development, um, now when they told Peter Masters or asked him to get out by July the 31st, mm. only they know. But uh, uh, Peter Masters announced on Sunday that Truro City definitely had to get out by the following week, I think it was a fortnight's time or 10 days time, and that as such they uh, were uh, in discussions with Torquay United for a ground share, which the following uh, very quickly or hours later, Clark Osborne yeah. confirmed that that was going on. Is it interesting that the, the announcement was made from the Truro end? Yeah, well, sort of. Uh, very often with these things, it's the stuff that isn't said, which is just as informative as the stuff that is. Uh, and I find it hard to believe that Clark Osborne would have actively sought to ground share with, in other words, had approached Truro City over the last few weeks and said, do you want to come up and share ground share with us? No. no I, 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 I think that's sort of unlikely. And nothing that Peter Masters, in fairness to him, has said has indicated that they were approached by Torquay. So I think we can assume that this was Truro asking Torquay yeah. if they can come up and ground share, where and when it happened and, and the details of that. Uh, I think it's interesting that the National League fixtures dovetail absolutely perfectly for the two clubs. And they came out, what, 10 days ago? So I think we can assume yeah. that the National League have been aware of this for some time. Yeah. 
um, there has been a, a considerable amount of money. Um, I'm given to believe something in the region of 60, 65,000 pounds spent uh, between Plainmore and Seal Hain, with with at least half of it, probably a little bit more, on a new drainage system at yeah. Plainmore, new sprinkler system, and a new pitch at Plainmore, which everybody absolutely loves and, and loves the look of. Almost uh, as if it's designed to cope with 50 games a year. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, so uh, here we go. Uh, I don't think. I, th- I think one of the, the things is that United fans, and you touched on it just now, you know, this is a hugely important season for Torquay United. Yeah. Clark Osborne has backed the club remaining full-time, the only full-time club in the National League, although one or two others, a uh, National League South, although one or two others are get, getting near it. Yeah. Uh, quite how often the Billericay Town players are training, I'm not quite sure, but still. Uh, Torquay United, biggest club in this league, full-time, most support, etc., etc., etc. This season has been billed by Clark Osborne and Gary Hours and the club, as well as by the supporters, as a big turnaround season. Yeah. United cannot keep falling and failing as they have been over the last five years. Yeah. So this is the stated aim is to win promotion, if not the title. And so the question you have to ask yourself, as a result of this ground share deal, have Torquay United's chances of winning promotion or the National League South title been improved or not? In terms of the pitch, that it can't be an improvement. Well, there you go. Because so we'll we, al- we already lost, let's say we don't get a winter like last winter's, but we lost games to postponements last season, yeah. which created a fixture pilot. Yes. If that happens again and... Both teams lose games. And we are talking here about two clubs, two teams in the same division. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah. um, uh, it's, it's, it's not two clubs in different divisions who have different objectives and different aims. We're talking about two clubs who are in the same division. Uh, and, uh, you know, if I was the National League board or on that board, I think I'd be going, ooh, hold on a minute, aren't there one or two potential... Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, mines, it's messy uh, though, isn't minefield it? Yeah. happening yeah. there. Nobody wants these things to happen. You know, nobody wants to. You know, most of us know the people at Truro. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I know Chris Todd and Lee Hodges and several of the players. And and there's nothing personal in all of this. We don't dislike and anybody. The Truro fans that make uh, the journey will be very welcome at Plainmore. Absolutely, you know, it's all about the fans. It's, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not about whether you like or dislike anybody. I mean, I think in all of these, I, I was obviously we, you and I were at Plainmore on Tuesday night for the Bristol City Under Twenty Three friendly. Um, uh, where, by the way, there were nearly a thousand Torquay supporters mm. at that match. A thousand Torquay supporters at a fairly in, un, un, low, low key, low key friendly yes. against yeah. Bristol City under twenty threes. A thousand fans with bless them Truro is getting on for three times what Truro yeah. get yeah. For, for 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 a league game. And I think and but getting back chatting to people at that game the. Every, over and over again, people were saying how sorry they felt for the Truro fans, not yeah. for, not for us or, or for Torquay. No. That that you know, that as a result of this deal, well, it's a, it's a um, punch in the guts for the Truro fans, isn't it? Well, it, it, it is, and and I mean, Peter Masters has had said over and over again, and I you have to take him at face value, I suppose, that the options of going to Bodmin or maybe even to uh, I think it's Launceston, Launceston, yeah. was a non-starter. Um, and he has said that consistently over the last few years. Now, you'd need to know much more about the detail of those grounds and what it would take to, to, to raise it up to 
you know the the, the correct standard I, I i don't know how much that would have cost and you know only they yeah. do but uh, I, I think that would have been a much happier option for Truro City fans yeah. than, than coming up to play more. But uh, we'll see. And of course, the other point, and we'll move on now, is that there's the part of the background to all of this is that Peter Masters was the preferred bidder to yeah. buy United back in 2015 when uh, Thea Bristow uh, and yeah. Kelvin Thomas sort of sold the club. Eventually, it went to the regime of Dave Phillips and Dean Edwards and uh, w w which ran the club for the next couple of years. Um, so, uh, and Peter Masters has been quite close to United ever since. He, yeah. he, he acted as the advisor to that board. Um, so there is a little bit of ongoing history here. Um, but no, I mean, you know, it, it's just, I think the biggest fear for United fans is what happens if this mucks up or in any yeah. way injures United's chances of winning promotion this coming season. And it's not, in realistic terms, it's not just going to be for a single season, is it? It's going to take more than 12 months to design, get planning permission and build the stadium for Cornwall. Absolutely. And and to pretend otherwise is palpably... It's disingenuous, yes, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's not even... Enough. Even the people in Cornwall and the Truro City fans are saying openly, well... It's it's not even an issue, no. um, so we'll see. We will we'll see. see. But uh, it leads us to a question. One thing that's been talked about time and time again since GI took over Torquay is the foundation of a local board. Yeah. Now surely would be a good time to set up a local board with all this mess over the ground sharing, and there's no re there's really no other way to describe it, and the stadium plans be you know sort of beginning to come out now surely would be the time to get a local board up and running. Well, back. this is something that we've been banging on about on the Herald for, for, for quite a while. Um, I did a, another story on that recently. Uh, why it hasn't happened, I don't know. Um, uh, I know that uh, uh, some people to serve on that local board have been approached. Yeah. I know that three or four of them have effectively agreed to serve on a local board, uh, and it still hasn't happened. Now, I agree with you. I, I think this is exactly the kind of stuff which uh, um, would justify and yeah. bring that forward. Um, and it, 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 surely it needs to happen. And don't forget as well that the, the local board was uh, uh, one of the central planks of, um, uh, of GI's own <laughs> takeover yeah, it, plan. It, it was their idea. Uh, it was their not, idea. Not ours. It wasn't, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, so um, it's time, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So let's talk about the football matters. Football. Let's move on to football matters. Now, I didn't go to the Cardiff friendly. No, I, I had a radio show. I think show you regretted it a little bit. I but, did uh, because no, we saw not that your radio show is an excellent value. <laughs> yeah, that's fine, thank you very much. Um, it was a good game, good performance. A goal from Rory. Um, well, it was. It was. Uh, um, let's face it. At this stage of pre-season, games like Plymouth Argyle and Cardiff City are absolutely perfect for United. They're going to spend most of the night running around trying to stop the opposition and maybe get the ball every now and again. That gets all ticks all the boxes about fitness, work rate, organisation, and in all of those respects, United did pretty well. Yeah. Yes, Plymouth were on top most of the time and should have won by more than 1-0. Yes, Cardiff City should have been more than 1-0 ahead uh, by the time uh, um, uh, Gary Hours sent Rury Keating on in the second half, uh, and it helped to turn things around. Um, even after United equalised and, in fairness, nearly scored yeah. a second goal, uh, Cardiff made and missed some chances to have won the game. I it's not really relevant, is it? 
Um, it, it's the fact that United played played well in both of those games. We're talking in terms of Cardiff about two teams five divisions apart. Yeah, here. yeah. Um, Cardiff having just one promotion to the Premier League. I know Neil Warnock was delighted with the whole evening. Yeah. Um, the former goals boss. You get a chance to have a chat with him. Oh, yeah. quite a long chat, yes. Good, good. And uh, Kevin Blackwell as well. Yeah. Uh, looking back to all those years to when they kept United in the league in 1993, fondly remembered. Um, did, but, I forgot to ask you: Did Reece Healy get a game? No, he's, he, he he has stayed with the under twenty three team for whom he's been ripping goals in okay. all week on the yeah. tour at Cornwall. Although Neil Warnock did tell to me he said he's fed up watching him ripping goals in for them. He said I'm going to have him up in the first team squad soon, Good. Uh, which will come as no surprise yeah. to anybody. Uh, no, he didn't. Um, by the way, Neil Warnock was hugely impressed with the new pitch at Playmore. Um, admittedly, that did come after a week in which they'd been playing on one or two tufty surfaces <laughs> down in Cornwall, apparently. But uh, he absolutely loved. Uh, uh, Chris Ralph's new pitch at Playmore. Well done, Chris. Um, uh, and it was a, it was an evening which I think everybody enjoyed. And the fact that United came on so strong in the last half hour sent the Playmore faithful home happy. There was yeah. more than two thousand there, nine hundred Cardiff fans, twelve hundred uh, um, Torquay supporters, and I couldn't get over the fact that another thousand, all but a half a dozen, turned up on the Tuesday night yeah. against Bristol City under twenty threes. When I think they had 23 or 24 they fans, did. well yeah. done to them, came down. Yeah. Um, so that's another tick yeah. and another evidence of how well United supporters are sticking with them. Yeah. The Bristol City game, um, if ever there was a game of two halves, that was it. I mean, I, I did make a little list of bad things and good things about it. I did enjoy particularly, um, because of the way talky is with the, the fairly small crowd and you're pretty close to the pitch you can hear what's going on there <laughs> and there was a fabulous moment in the first half I think just after Bristol City had taken the lead when Gary Hours quite politely suggested to um, a couple of his players in front of him were they planning on just standing there watching the ball go by for the rest <laughs> of the evening I think there was an adjective in there as well but yeah. I'm going to leave that out but the first half was dreadful well Gary Hours as he had hinted he would do after the Cardiff game uh, made quite a few changes, seven as it yeah. happened, from the team that had started against Cardiff. Uh, uh, he did say that he wanted to get some more game, game time into the players who hadn't featured much against Plymouth or um, uh, Cardiff, uh, and he did that, seven yeah. changes. He also changed the formation of the team, went to four at the back instead of three back and, two, and uh, th three centre-backs and wing-backs, uh, and, and it showed, it, it definitely showed, there wasn't the same... Uh, um, uh, solidity there um, no. uh, and United looked a bit at sixes and sevens you had Bobson Balling who was, who was just back from injury good to see him getting his first run up but at right back mm. instead of further forward and I think uh, if Gary Hours learnt nothing else from that I think he probably knew it beforehand that Bobson Balling isn't a isn't right, a right isn't back, a right back. Yeah. but uh, uh, when he tried to get forward at times he looked quite uh, um, interesting when he was taking people on uh, but generally, the thing didn't look right, did it? And, no. And, uh, um, but I, I can't see... I, I mean, I'm not a football manager, never will be, and there, there are many reasons for that. But um, I don't see the value in 45 minutes of basically getting duffed up for 45 minutes with a, a formation and a team that you're not ever planning to play again. I think he, 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 had, he played pretty much the first team uh, uh, against Plymouth and Cardiff yeah. or what we think is, is pretty close to it bar a couple of injuries Asa Hall was out for one of them um, 
and I'm pretty sure you'll, you'll see at Dorchester on Saturday, the team that kicks off at Dorchester will be pretty close to the one uh, that, that will start at Chelmsford on August the 4th. Um, so he, he kind of hinted about this, and I can sort of understand why he did it. And when it didn't work, at half-time, he immediately yeah. made a load of changes and more or less got back to what... And sure enough, the second half was, was, was much improved. Brett Williams went, uh, was sent back on again, scored a very well-taken goal uh, to make it 2-1 at the time, wasn't it? 2-1 at the time. And then Bristol Rovers, yeah. uh, Bristol Rovers, Bristol City under-23s pulled away and won it 3-1, and quite right too. They look sharp. Uh, and uh, United couldn't, in the end, no. undo what had happened in the first half. I haven't finished with the bad stuff yet. Those kits, both teams should hang their heads in shame for the kits they wore on Tuesday night. Well, Bristol, that... Bristol City turned out in mauve and lime green. Yes, it's pretty worrying, isn't and it? And Torquay turned out in, in high-vis. Yeah, well, sort of... it, it, it's, it, that is the third choice strip. Let's hope we never have to wear it. Let's hope we don't see it. It it bears no relation at all to the club. Uh, I can't understand why somebody's gone down that road. I've seen the second team strip and quite a lot of the supporters have as well, which is sky blue, which does actually look quite nice. Um, and and we've worn that before. Sky yeah, blue is, sort of, is yeah, that's yeah. right. And and so I, the first team strip, all yellow, is fine. That's great. Yeah, uh, and and the second team, the second choice strip, which I presume United will use away from home, is okay. So yeah. let's hope they keep that third one for training purposes. Save high vis um, for the marshals on the carnival parade. Well, it's not. It's not where those. Let's not <laughs> see that again. Um, but uh, yeah. So there we are. It just. Yeah. It didn't look quite right, no. did it? And I agree with you. I think I thought Bristol City was dreadful as well, but still, kid. there we are. But again, for the same reason. Yeah. You, you've no connection to Bristol City's no. colours or past sure. or history at all. They, and they play in red. Surely their second kit should be white or, or black or something like with that. With red trim yeah. or something yeah. like that. But there you go. It's it's presumably it's what some kit manufacturer has offered them. It's all um, about selling shirts, isn't it, I suppose? Well, yeah, yeah. I... I, I I can't honestly see why anybody would want, you know, that, that that's that third team strip. I've having seen the first team strip, and I've seen quite a lot of United fans already walking yeah. around in the yellow strip. Chaps sat behind us on Tuesday that's night right. in the new the shirt. The second team very strip, good. I think, looks pretty smart. It's a nice shade of, of blue, sky blue. Yeah. Um, fine, a bit like last season's strip. Everybody loved that. Yeah, uh, it looked smart. It had a cut to it. It had a certain style to it, etc., etc. But still, there we go. Uh, it is what it is. And it. Um, but after half time, good things started to happen. As yep. you said, Brett Williams took that goal very well. Could have had one or two more. Absolutely. Jamie Reed could have had a couple. Yeah. He was through on goal. There was one where the ball just got stuck horribly under his boots, and yep. somebody came and took it off him. Where you would, I, I, you'd put the deeds to the house on him scoring that one. Yeah. But play, Williams and Reed are getting in the positions. I thought Keating did all right in the first half, by the way. But well, Williams and, and Reed and, and were getting in the positions. Keating did very well in the last half hour against uh, against Cardiff. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, there, there were good things to see. Liam Davis. Well. Had a, a second half. He is a class to act. conjure with. You know, he, yeah. he he is a, a, a talented attacking left back. He actually played quite a lot of his career left midfield, and we yeah. can all see why. Uh, um, I think this is a big season, or it can be a big season for him and United. Uh, hopefully, if United win promotion, he would go back up with them. Yeah. Um, if he doesn't get uh, some scouts looking at him during the course of the coming nine months, he needs 
uh, um, you know, a whack up the backside. He is a talented player. He should be the best left back in in the oh, National League South. And going going forward, going up Absolutely. the flank with the ball at his feet. Yeah. There were times on Tuesday that I can't wait to see this in a competitive game. There you go. Played really really well. Yeah. I thought uh, goalkeeper wise. Now Alex Bass. Yes. Developments there. Yeah. It turns out that he had been carrying a bit of a groin strain through one or two earlier friendlies. Uh, um, got through the game against Cardiff, mm -hmm. uh, carried on kicking uh, with his the side that's injured, but woke up feeling pretty sore, I think, on the Saturday morning uh, and decided to go back and, I think, reported it, sent back to Portsmouth, where he's on a season-long loan from. Um, they had a look at it. Yes, there's a little tear in it, and it looks like he's going to be out for a fortnight, something yeah. like that, while that heals. I uh, had a chat with him yesterday. Uh, he's he's he said, look, if we had the playoff final coming up on Saturday, yeah. he said I would play through it and just and keep going. He said, but this is right at the start of the season. Let's face it, he is 20 years old, I think. Yeah. Uh, Portsmouth rate him very highly. They've just given him a three-year contract. He's come to us on loan for the season. You don't go and put all your eggs in no. the basket of Chelmsford City away for the first match of the season and then lose him for no, months. Exactly. So uh, um, I think they've said, right, well, he ain't going to be ready for Chelmsford. He may well not be ready for the two home games which immediately follow it because, of course, we're the, the, the new pitch will have to handle, I think it's seven games in the space of 24 yeah. days in, in August. The fixtures come thick and fast, don't they, at the start of the season? We do know there are two teams playing on it. There you are. Uh, and so there's two home games for United, Bath City and then East Thurrock following the Chelmsford opener. So, uh, in Gary Hour's mind, I think he's going, right, well, if he's out for the Chelmsford game, there's every chance that yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's being op optimistic that they'd hope that he would be ready for the next two. So, I think as things stand, even though he had a young keeper called George Burton, um, a trialist from Lydney Lid Town. From Lydney Town. No, we, um, I, I quite liked him. Yeah, I thought well, he played okay. He made, only, a, made one particularly good he did, save. He did, yeah, to stop it going 4 1. Yeah. Um, uh, Sean McDonald uh, took over in goal, yeah. which I think was always going to happen yeah. against um, uh, he, you know, United. He did well, I Yeah, think. no, ab absolutely. Um, but I think when push comes to shove, Gary Hour saying, look, we cannot go into the first three matches of the season without two reasonably mm. experienced and nailed on goalkeepers yeah. available so as we stand I think he's out and about he's trying, looking, to, trying to find another one Yeah, and of course we come back uh, I think all United supporters are they like the look of what Gary Owls has been able to do yeah. in, in all areas of the team but there's still this worrying have we got enough goals yeah. up front in yeah. that attack and Gary Owls has hinted that he's, not, he's, he's been asking himself the same question um, and uh, because when you when you brutally sit down and think about it, the two strikers who most people would have regarded as United's first choice strikers at the end of last season, Elliot Remain and Reese Healy, both on loan and have both gone. Yeah. So effectively, United are back to the four strikers who were here uh, uh, for the whole of last season, yeah. or for most. Sorry, in, not in Brett Williams' case, for for, for most of last season, um, and United got relegated. Um, and so, you know, is there enough goals? Are there enough goals in the yeah. roster uh, as it stands? Uh, now, uh, Gary, I was actually hinted after the game on Tuesday that he might well be um, 
uh, going back to Bristol City possibly for at least one or two. He said, I, I need two or three more players yeah. to fill the squad out. And he's obviously looking up front. Yeah, loans. Well, um, we, we, we quite like the look of, uh, uh, of a couple of the Bristol City youngsters. I've got the um, team sheet here. Opie Edwards, who scored two of the scored goals. Scored a couple. Look fast. The, I mean, these are young lads. They you are. Know, they're quite slight yes. young lads, aren't yeah. they? And if, if we're playing in a fight league, you wonder whether championship side under 23 players are the right ones the right but, stuff. but, but Opie Edwards that, I thought looked very good and Freddie Hines the number nine yeah, as well was yeah, good they're, 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 neither of them are barn door players are they no. uh, they're not Tim Sills or anything like that lovely touch um, though that's right and sooner or later you'd hope quality will, will out in any form of football um, and of course Gary Hours has experience of this you know he took players like Conor Lemonhay Evans to Bath City yeah when they you know National League South, this level, and I think Lemonhay Evans scored five or six goals in yeah. a comparatively short period of time. Now, we saw him last season, promising, decent, not exactly a rocket scientist, but a, a player that we thought looked really decent good, player. a yeah. decent player, yeah. worked hard, yeah. and improvement in. Well, if he could have the effect of scoring five or six goals in a little spell at Bath City, then maybe those yeah. type of players, if they're made of the right stuff, and they're not afraid of a tackle, and they're prepared to get stuck in. You never know that little bit of extra quality that you hope they've got yeah. might might serve in the National League South. So we'll see what he comes up with. Um, he's got another what ten days to do it. Yeah, um, and I'm sure he'll want if he does sign any anybody else, which I'm 99% certain he will do. He'll want them in for most of next week at least. I would have thought. So, one more friendly to go. That's at Dorchester on Saturday. Yeah. Three o'clock kickoff. Three o'clock Three o'clock at Dorchester yeah. on Saturday. That's right. And, and you'll then a free week. If you're travelling up to Dorchester, yeah, as, as David, you, you said earlier on, you're likely to see what is likely to be talking starting lineup. I would have thought so. Probably. I, I'm sure, you know, Gary Owls will be wanting to, you know, the mantra is August the 4th at Chelmsford, August the 4th at Chelmsford. Yeah. Well, that's the last chance for United to get more or less the team that's going to take Chelmsford on uh, out there and I, I'd, I'd be surprised if yeah. Saturday's opening lineup uh, wasn't more or less we'll the, hope it's the strongest more available. second half against Bristol City than first half against <laughs> Bristol City yeah, there you go yeah and then uh, well next week on the podcast we'll look ahead to the league season you're busy well, putting together the notes and, yeah uh, the next week's Herald Express will we'll feature uh, um, my best efforts at having a look at all the teams nearly all of them who are strangers yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. to us having a look at uh, what's in store the managers some of the better known players um, of course there are a, a, a small but select band of all weather pitches <laughs> that United yeah. will be visiting just as they obviously did in the conference uh, in the National League rather um, yes um, all the stuff you hopefully want to know and probably one or two bits you <laughs> it'll be <laughs> not sure you wanted to know but it'll be um, your bumper pre-season yeah, pack, sure, yeah. and and of course there's there's, there's some fascinating stuff uh, you know Billericay town you know whom Torquay United would not long ago would hope to be beating up in an FA Cup tie uh, although when you look back what happened at Basingstoke you probably didn't um, uh, uh, are throwing money at it and I yeah. know this is a big topic amongst fans at the moment everybody getting upset about Salford City signing somebody on yeah, that reportedly was a bit of a 4, with, uh, Mappington Stanley wasn't it that's yeah. right um, yeah. but uh, was ever thus in football yeah, wasn't it, it? Was. If, if people have got some money uh, it tends to get spent doesn't yeah. it 
So there we go. Thank you very much for listening to the Herald Express Devon Live Talk United Yellow Army podcast, where we did indeed have much to discuss. My goodness. If you're listening to this on Thursday afternoon, I may well Never see you. Never a dull you. moment. No, I may well see you a little bit later on at the Mayor's Forum, after which we may know a little bit more about the stadium plans. Hopefully. Hopefully. Thanks for listening, and as ever, come, come on, on, you yellows. yellows.